excited about this morning. Actually, we, uh, I talked to John Wallace this week and I was like, Hey, I don't know. I just kind of feel like maybe, you know, you're supposed to share this week. And, and, um, we were like, you know, he, he had had this thing on discipleship that had been stirring in his heart. And, and we kind of came to the conclusion that it would be best if I interview him about it. And we have like a little bit of conversation. And interestingly enough, how many of you, I know there were quite a few of you raise your hand if you were there Tuesday night um, for our, our discussion, leadership, discipleship on Tuesday night. Um, we will be having another one of those this coming Tuesday night. That's a four week series. And you know, we kind of loosely called the series uh, uh, way showing, but the, um, but the idea is to help people leading people into fullness. And so, um, anyways, just, you know, he, he, he had sort of just mentioned to me that a couple weeks in a row, he had already, um, somebody said, can I talk a little louder? Can you guys hear me? Okay. Um, he had mentioned to me a couple weeks ago, he's been taught uh, in a row, he's been talking to different churches about discipleship. And so I just felt like it was apropos to have him come on. John, is, do we have John's mic unmuted? I'm looking for him. I think I am now. Can everybody hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So, um, Hi, John, just kind of, uh, yeah, I, I know you mentioned a, a book, but just to kind of give a little bit of an, an overview uh, you know, I'm going to ask John you know some personal questions and just like life ministry questions on discipleship but what has kind of prompted this focus on discipleship over the last couple of weeks I know you mentioned a book that you've been reading kind of <clears throat> give us a little bit of high level yeah I think <clears throat> excuse me I think I've been a, a student of discipleship ever ever since I became one but um, different kinds of uh, input have really stimulated me to grow deeper and um, get a better understanding and experience of discipleship. And uh, a book that I recently finished reading was a book by Dallas Willard. Uh, some of you may know him. Dallas has written lots and lots of, of books. He's with the Lord now. Uh, he was the professor of philosophy at USC and a very, very strong believer. Um, and years ago, he ran into a guy by the name of Dr. Jim Wilder, and uh, he has the auspicious title of being a neuroscience theologian. And so this guy has done a lot of study about brain activity, and the book that I'm reading is co-authored by Dallas and by Jim, and one chapter will be uh, by Dallas talking about spiritual formation, and the next chapter will be by uh, Dr. Jim Wilder talking about what goes on in the brain when that, when that dynamic is going on. And one of the big conclusions that they come to is that by and large, at least in the Western church, since the Enlightenment, which was in the 1700s, uh, we've been trying to go through spiritual formation through our intellect and through our will. And both of those take place in the cerebral cortex towards the front and the top of our brain according to Jim Wilder, but what they say is more long-lasting and uh, more fruitful and more profitable is when our spiritual transformation comes by what they call attachment love, 
attachment love. Uh, in the Old Testament, it's the word hesed. And in the New Testament, it's the word agape. And that actually, again, according to Jim Wilder and several other neuroscientists, that attachment dynamic takes part in your brain stem and in your thalamus towards the back of your brain, completely different part of your brain. And it's a stronger motivator than either intellect or will. And that's very biblical, right? Because in John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you keep my commandments, you'll love me. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then Paul says in 2 Corinthians, for the love of Christ controls us. And so it's that attachment love. And so, uh, you know, one of the, one of the conclusions, um, one of the rollouts from, from that kind of thinking is that then the exhortation is to church leaders and to churches to develop people in discipleship by facilitating them in attachment love to God. The more that we can facilitate people being attached in love to God, the more they'll be on the road to discipleship. And, um, you know, this is what Dallas Willard said. I'm quoting him. Um, to be a disciple was to have been with him. This is in the New Testament. To be a disciple was to have been with him, learning to be like him. And then a little bit later, he said, for Jesus to disciple someone was to teach that person how to live their life in the kingdom of God. And so living our lives in the kingdom, the very center of that is the transformation into the likeness of Jesus, which is exactly what Romans 8 tells us. You know, he, uh, let me read the verse, verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So you and I were chosen so that we would have the purpose of looking like Jesus more and more. And uh, so if we learn from Jesus uh, how to lead my life as if he were living my life instead of me, then I think we're we're in and we're in that process of discipleship. Well, that that's really. Can you say those two quotes that that being a disciple would have been yeah. to be with Christ and becoming like Him? Is that so? Yeah, yeah. To be a disciple was to have been with Him, learning to be like Him. So that so that kind of leads me to a question. Um, I shared this on Tuesday night. I've had a personal evolution and journey of what discipleship means. Can you talk to us a little bit about maybe your journey with the word discipleship? I, I think a lot of times when people think of the idea of discipleship, they have the idea of like one person having a relationship with another person and them giving them the, you know, this information about the, the kingdom. Can you talk to us about like your personal, like a little bit of your personal journey with what it means to enter into discipleship and what you, you know, what you believe it is. Well, yeah, um, my, my journey started with that kind of relationship. The guy who led me to the Lord for the next year and four months, uh, you know, quote unquote, discipled me. Uh, we spent a lot of time together. 
Um, you know, he was, he was helping me to study and understand the Bible, to pray. He would take me with him when, when he went out to share Christ with people out on campus. Um, we were involved in uh, a small group of, of got mainly guys um, that he poured his life into, um, spent lots and lots and lots of time with him. Uh, one month after I came to Christ, I went, he and, he and a, another guy and I drove from Oklahoma to Oregon over spring break to go home with him. And he preached in his home church and we met his family and we just, we just lived life for, you know, about eight or nine days together. So that was a, a big part of the start of it. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, according to, you know, what you're saying, the, the, the process or the evolution of my understanding of discipleship is just that over the years, there's been several people that along the way through bits and pieces have um, directly or indirectly poured into my life. Um, and even uh, just a lot of people being models, uh, models of Christ-likeness in a certain aspect. Uh, for instance, um, the very first time I ever met or heard Mike Bickle up in Kansas City was in 1988. And after I'd heard him a few times and him talking about his prayer life, I said, God, I want my, I want my prayer life to be like that. You know, why? Because he modeled it. You know, he was, he was a living example of it. And so, um, you know, I think, um, you know, and, and I mentioned this to you on the phone the other day, Jordan, um, that one, if, if I look back over my shoulders through the years, um, that the, the people that I feel like have I've seen most fruit in the terms of discipleship are the people I've spent most, most of my time with. And they have lived life with me. And it wasn't so much sitting them down and teaching them or going through a book with them, uh, although I did some of that. But the, the greatest fruit came from them uh, watching me, uh, watching me how I lived my life, watching me how I treated my wife, how I treated my kids. Um, what did I do when I got angry? Um, how did I deal with that? You know, what did I do with disappointment? Um, how did I rejoice? Um, what, what did I do if I was ridiculed or rejected? It was the, the greatest growth, I think, looking back, was, um, was with people like that. And it was a long process, a long process. I'm having, I'm exchanging texts these days about three times a week with a guy who now lives in Washington State, who I would say that process was probably 15 to 16 to 18 years, wasn't it, Suzanne, with him? <laughs> I mean, he was in and out. He was a druggie. He was on the street. He was off the street. He'd come in and say, oh, I had a revelation of Jesus. He'd stick around for five or six weeks, and he was gone again. You know, but here, 18 years later, I mean, this guy is married to a brain surgeon now. And, and he, is, he is loving Jesus. And he is, you know, texting me these profound, deep thoughts about the Lord. But that, that is 23 years of relationship. Wow. So, like, when I, when I hear you tell that story, like, there's a lot of thoughts that come to my mind. First of all, like, the thought that comes to my mind is 
the times that I felt like because other people uh, had quote unquote failed in their spiritual life that I had failed as somebody trying to help them. And so can you try to formulate this question? Can you help me like help, help me think through like in our Christian lives, like what are we responsible for in helping others and in discipleship and leading others towards people to Jesus? And what are we not responsible for? Because like I, I've had that, that personal experience of recognizing where I took on too much of a weight, you know, or maybe times when I didn't step in when I could have, could you, could you help maybe like what, what is, what is God calling us to do in, in the process of discipleship? What is he not calling us to do? Well, again, I think it's a matter of sharing our life and, and I think in being real, um, you know, for a long time, I was afraid to let people see my failures and see my inadequacies. Uh, that's all part of it. They need to see that. You know, otherwise they have a standard of perfection and they may lose heart. <laughs> you know, just saying, well, gosh, if I've got to be perfect, I can't. And so I'm not even going to try. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think when we're discipling other people, what it comes down to is we need to cultivate the art of listening to God. You know, Jesus, in some ways, discipled all 12 of his disciples the same way, but also there were very specific instances in which he addressed certain things in one of them or in small groups of them. And it was because he had such a deep relationship with the Father and he knew, he knew what they needed. And so um, I, I think, you know, we're, we're, although we have Jesus living in us, we're not Jesus. And so we won't always have everything that that person needs. And I think that's the beauty of living in community uh, because what I don't have, you may have to give to this person. So let me, uh, let me drill in like, even a little further on this. Like, I think that like sometimes there's this thinking and I mentioned this on Tuesday. I've, I've tried this and become hesitant over the years, even though I think discipleship is one of the most essential, you know, calls to the Christian faith. Like I've had a hard time personally wanting to systematize it because it seems that God uses all these different ways. And I, I have this feeling that like a lot of Christians actually are in, in discipling others in some capacity. We don't necessarily see it as that, but they are, we are exchanging life. And um, can you maybe like encourage, you know, like us on what does it look like to intentionally step into that place or organically? Like, like, what does it look like when you're in a discipling relationship with somebody? Because I know it doesn't always look like sit down, go through a book, as you said. Um, yeah. And well, I think part of it, again, is just, you know, it's developed within, our, within the church life, that discipleship, that's what it looks like. It looks like a class or it looks like going through a book uh, with somebody. I mean, yes, Jesus did teach his disciples, but it was along the way. As, as, as he was going about his life, he was doing that. 
And so again, I think it's living life. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not, it's not just sitting down once a week and having coffee with somebody, although it might be, might be included, but it's, Hey, I'm working on my house this afternoon, come over and hang out with me. And in the midst of us hammering and nailing and throwing up sheetrock and doing whatever we're going to do, uh, you know, let's just talk about life. You know, let me, let me tell you what I just got through learning from the Lord. Let me tell you where uh, something happened in my life and I didn't follow him, you know, where I failed. I mean, it's just in the midst of those conversations, you know. Uh, and, and I'll just bring it home to our own family. I was talking to my oldest son once and I was really kind of apologizing to him because Suzanne and I were really pretty miserable at having family devotions when our kids were growing up. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we tried it and we just never could follow through with it for whatever reason. Maybe it was more my fault than hers, but at any rate, we just didn't. So one, one time I was apologizing to my son for that. And he said, no, dad, he said, I, I learned more about God watching you than I ever could have through a family devotion. Mm. So, so what, like in, in, in just kind of like taking that, you know, and I know you're all the son, you know, taking that, I know how highly he speaks of you guys in, in thinking through that, what, what do you think are the kinds of relationships? And maybe I'm asking you to reiterate, reiterate a little bit, but like, what are the kinds of relationships that have been an unhealthy way of you pursuing this discipleship? And what are the kinds of ones that have been, you know, healthy? Cause I, I feel like for me, like in attempting to invest individually in others, I've had a lot of those where I've, felt the, you know, the failure or the inadequacy or the not follow through? Well, I think one of the things is that, I, you know, one of, one of my big failures was there was kind of a little phase where we started learn about, learning about the whole term spiritual fathering and having sons and daughters. And um, I remember uh, one time I went around and I just, to different, to different young people and I just confronted them. I said, are, are you my son? Are you my spiritual son? Are you my spiritual daughter? That did not work. That did not work at all. <laughs> you know, and um, so, um, you know, I think again, um, there's a mutual attraction. You know, uh, you extend in, in a number of different ways, you extend invitations to people. And if they don't take the invitation, it's just you're, you're not the person to disciple them or it's just not the right time. Well, that, that, yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> you, never did, you never did that with me, John. You never demanded that I call you. A <laughs> I know. I learned. I learned. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I've had my few. I don't think I've done that particular one, but uh, I like that. Here, um, here's, here's another thing too, Jordan, let me just say, 
we are the worst judge judges of ourselves uh, in a lot of areas, but but especially in this one. You know, I mean, if this this same guy that it took 18 years for it to stick with him, if you know, if we were 10 years into the process, to me it just looked like a dismal failure. You know, and Suzanne, why don't you tell them about your prayer to God about him? Stick your head in here. This is the same guy I'm talking about. Yeah, so I always felt like that the Lord had said to me that it's illegal to give up on anybody. And so I took that. But I remember the moment that I was upstairs in my den. I remember exactly where I was. I said, okay, Lord, I know, I really know that you said it's illegal to give up on anybody, but I want to just sort of petition you that maybe this guy's the exception. Because we had been around that barn, around that druggy barn and back, and around that druggy barn and back. He had lived with us and stashed cocaine on our property. You know, I mean, we had been over and stole from us. You know, we'd been round and round and round. And so, yeah, I just did. And, and, and <laughs> I think his answer was, no, let's not give up on me <laughs> because here we are. But sometimes it's, it's really the long haul. And I just think you have to be willing for your heart to say, I'm in this for the long haul. We, I received an email from this guy yesterday and he said, I remember the first time I walked into the, to the church so he was probably 18 years old, maybe. And he's in his 40s now. He said, I remember the first time I walked into the church and he said, Suzanne was sharing this illustration and this story. Um, and um, I won't go into the illustration of the story, he said, but I heard it. And he said, that's when I bought in. I bought in that I wanted to be with you guys and I wanted to try to walk this thing out. Wow. But so, it's, it's just taken him 23 years to say that. <laughs> okay, so here, here's kind of a question, like, because you, you can't really, so for me, it's like, I have the belief, and I, I know we've talked about this, that God is using lots of different ways to make a disciple out of us. I mean, he's using close relationships. You know, we might have pastors, like for a number of years, you know, we discussed like Bill Johnson as a pastor from afar, while I didn't have a relationship, that he, right. there were a lot of pastors who were gleaning for a season from some of his teachings. And so God might use something like that to make a disciple out of you and, and relationship. But like this sort of like life on life exchange, it, it seems like from the way I've described to you that there are, pe there are people that you do that with for some period of time. Um, and it seems like there's always like a more intense period of time and then kind of a releasing. And then there's people that God, you know, doesn't ask you to. So could you, could you talk with us? Because I think, I think we're a lot of, maybe us, maybe we are on the call, is people believe and get the idea that God has called them to invest in others. 
and to do life with others. And I think to some degree, a lot of us do that in some capacity. But I think that there are sometimes, like for me, the vacillating, like, I mean, I need to be doing more. I need to be, you know, with more people and, you know, giving more of myself. Can you talk about how you say no and how you say yes, how you invest your time in some, and, and, and although you have more time to do this than others, like God didn't, God hasn't called us to give an equal portion of us to every person because we're, we're limited. So maybe like, like dis, discerning how it is that God has called you to invest your time. I would, I would say in one sentence, more is not better, deeper is better. More is not better, deeper is better. And you can go deep with somebody. It doesn't take you a year. You know, if, if you, again, if you're listening to the Lord, if you're observant about where this person is with Christ, if you can take them a little deeper because of your own experience with Jesus, because of your own uh, walk with him, in that particular, in, in one area or, or in general, you know, the Lord may just have you invest in them for a few months and then, you know, they're gone or you're gone into a different situation. And so, again, it's hearing the Lord. It's, it's looking at my life and saying, okay, um, very clearly with your perspective, Lord, what is it that I have that I can share with this person? And, and don't listen to the voice that says, oh, you're disqualified and you have nothing to share. That's a lie. That's a lie. You do. If you've walked with Jesus, <laughs> you know, you do have something to share. No, I think that that's a beautiful balance. I think, I think where, I, I mean, I, my own, you know, attempts to help people or disciple people i think like maybe if i were to put the biggest mistake on it would be the feeling as though i had to provide everything to them that they needed to become a disciple to become like him or come with him as if like i don't know if you remember this growing up maybe other people can resonate with this but there was this like kind of message preached that you know you know the the only thing standing between you and you know, somebody really knowing Jesus and them, you know, them not knowing Jesus is you. It's like dependent upon you, you know? <laughs> and while there's some facet of that, that's true. Like the Holy spirit does his work, you know, with us, you know, with other, I mean, he, he, he works with us, but I think like this idea that you're saying that you don't have to have everything that this person needs, but you're, but you're the one, faithfully giving what it is that you have when you're in their path. Um, maybe finish with this. I'd like to have you pray over everybody, but before we do that, could you, could you give maybe this, um, if, if I'm listening to this call and, you know, I want to delve deeper into this for those around me and to investing, you know, discipling being in this process, either, either side, whether they, whether they want to go deeper. I mean, cause like I, I, one of the things that just comes up to me to say that I haven't thought about is um, a lot of people have this idea of discipleship, like this, you know, person that they need is just going to 
fly in from the sky and, and help them. Um, but our relationship started because, you know, Don Archibald connected us and I was, I was actively looking for somebody. Um, and so it was almost like for us, like, like the initiation came from, from me, you know? And so that, so I think that sometimes there's this kind of like, well, who's going to come help me, you know? And, um, and, I, and it is kind of a mutual thing, but would you, would you maybe give like oh, some wisdom or encouragement to us, whether, you know, on both sides, feeling compelled to be more investing in the lives of others, or maybe there's some on the call who feel that they need, you know, someone else investing into them. Could you maybe give us some? Let me, let me address uh, investing your life in somebody else. Again, it's, you know, through tons of prayer, it's through listening to God, it's through relationship, it's through, you know, who, who look, look at the contacts that you have in your life and ask, ask the Lord, you know, ask the Lord, are those, are those divinely connected? Did you set this up? You know, did you set this up for the sake of me for whatever time period investing some of my life in them? Uh, I think that that for me is where it starts. It's just being aware. It's, it's listening to people, really listening and listening to the Holy Spirit at the same time. Uh, and you know what? I, I've had to tell some people no, you know, for, for a number of different reasons. Uh, but again, I think at the bottom of all of it, I just sensed uh, from the Lord that this, this was not a connection, uh, or it certainly wasn't at the time. Or, you know, um, my, my wife has this theory that we all have a number of relationship ports. And if you're connected deeply with several people, and some, some people are just made so they have more relationship ports than others, I don't have as many as she does. And so a lot of times I realize that all of my, for the time being, all of my relationship ports are filled up. And I just don't have any more to give. Now, along the way, one or two of those might drop off and, you know, I, I, you know, I, can, I can connect with others. But I think it's being sensitive to that. Um, nobody is helped. If you, if you overdo it and get burned out, nobody is, you know, and, and then on the other side for a person that's desiring that number one, pray. Number two, if you get some indication from the Lord that it might be a particular person, go and just say, you know, I would not go and say, can you be my spiritual father or my spiritual mother? Or, you know, can you disciple me? Go and say, Hey, can I just hang out with you? You know, can, can we get together? Can I hang out with you and see where it goes? Well, on that point, can you, can you pray for us? Uh, one of the things that I remember you saying to me a new, numerous, numerous times over the years is like, uh, you correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but you said um, like that, that, you know, Jesus talks about discipleship and then it's not like that word's not really mentioned in the epistles, you know, all the books after because I think what you what you've shared is that you know that that will happen in the context of family, and that 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 will happen in the context of community as we you know from navigating from relationship to relationship, God brings a holistic um, you know 
growth for us. Would you pray that, I think what I'm thinking is like Ephesians 4 talks about how that as the body matures, that the body is able to minister to itself. And I, I would just like you to pray over us that we would, A, like have this sense of God's desire to produce a response in us to invest our lives in the others, but also be that, that we would recognize that like as we get matured, that, that, that our needs are to be met, that our, you know, the, the ministry will happen in fullness. It's not just some, it's not just a giving, but it's a receiving. And so yeah. um, I'm just pray, pray over us and sure. we're going to go from there. <clears throat> Lord, thank you, Jesus, for uh, this discussion today. And uh, we are reminded, Lord, you said go and make disciples. Um, Lord, we, we want to be involved in that process because you're, you're involved in that process and we want to be doing what you're doing. Uh, but we need your help. And my brothers and sisters here need your help. Lord, we need your help in terms of being able to listen to you clearly, Lord, to, to see and find those connections. And whether we're looking, Lord, for those that we can invest in or whether we're looking for somebody to invest in us, uh, Lord, I pray for those. I pray that that would happen. I pray that that would happen, Lord, and that, that uh, as you fill us, Lord, as you do conform us into your likeness, Lord, in those areas where you desire, we would be able to, to turn around and, and guide and love people into that. And Lord, not making them disciples of, our, of ourselves, but making them disciples of you. So just grant that, Lord, to the, to the Clear Path family, to this, to this our family, Lord. Uh, for all of us, uh, Lord, we, we want to live our lives the way you would live it, being in our skin, in front of others, with others, with one another, drawing upon the life that you've given each one of us to share back and forth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for always being willing. And I can say, since you didn't ask me to say, that you, that you have been spiritual parents to us, and we, and we are thankful. I think we have met together for eight or nine years at this point. And um, you know, I'm, I'm just super thankful of the faithfulness that you have displayed in front of us and, and, and now extended to our community, too, over the last few years. And so thank you, guys. We well, thank you. We, lo we love you all.